Welcome to In My Headache. I'm Aaron Rhodes. And I'm Bill Brownlee. Aaron is the oldest member of Gen Z. Bill is the world's youngest baby boomer. We're music critics based in Kansas City. Aaron and I argue about and sometimes agree on the music we love and hate on In My Headache. In each episode, Bill and I debate the merits of two new albums and one vintage recording. In this edition of In My Headache, Aaron and I considered the latest releases from the noise duo The Body and the all-star band led by jazz innovator Robert Glasper. We also revisit Avril Lavigne's 2002 breakout album, Let Go. In My Headache is sponsored by The Vinyl Underground at 7th Heaven, offering new and used vinyl at 76th and Troost in Kansas City, Missouri. Let's start with the bodies. I've seen all I need to see. The Body is a metal band from Rhode Island. Um, they've been around since about 2002 i believe and they're they're always they're constantly touring they're putting out new material all the time i believe um i've seen all i need to see is their seventh full-length album and um they're they're just really well known in uh kind of the diy uh they, they operate kind of like adjacent to the punk and hardcore diy scene just because like even though they are a metal band, they have kind of just some overlap there, and there isn't like that much of like a true DIY metal circuit in America right now. I think so. They they often just play punk venues and stuff, and that's how I first became familiar with them. What happens when they play live, Aaron? I don't think I've seen them. Uh, does the room clear out? Because if anything qualifies as room clearing music. It's this album. Yeah, um, I think most people know what they're getting into when they go to see this band. At least, like, maybe a friend has kind of prepared them. I, I, I love getting to, like, whisper to a friend before the body starts about how, uh, how crazy it's about to get. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure if, if anyone is unaware of what is about to happen when they play yeah, I'm sure they they have a few a few walkouts um, each show. My take has long been, Aaron, that guitar-based rock and roll is kind of played out, and the body seems like they've found an avenue that's productive and interesting and not cliched, you know, by going to the ultimate extreme. What's your sense? Yeah, um, I, you know, it's kind of funny because I've seen the body I think three or four times now and I've listened to all of their full lengths and um what I will say about this album is that it feels like they've kind of hit um they've kind of maybe plateaued in a certain sense creatively just because on all of the past albums it felt like they really were like kind of leveling up or changing some of the key kind of variables 
Um, and on this one, it feels like they maybe um, are kind of just cycling through a few of the kind of tricks and techniques that they've introduced on past albums. And like that being said, I don't think it's a bad introduction point. Like it's as good an introduction point as any, but for someone who really wanted something new from the body, uh, this album didn't do a whole lot for me. Wow. See, it uh, is not easy going, but I like it a lot in spite of, you know, how difficult it is. And it's not the kind of thing I could play in front of my life partner because uh, she would uh, kick me out into the virus laden streets if I were to do that. But I've been listening to a lot of drones, you know, like heavy, dark, ambient drones during the quarantine. And this album seems like the ultimate version of that. And if you can just just release yourself and get into the self-flagellation aspect of it. Yeah. It feels good. Yeah, no, it did. Like if, if anything else, uh, if anything, the, the body has a, a knack for writing a kind of apocalyptic uh, type music, you know, just real hell on earth chaos. And I think that, that like all my, my critique uh, standing um, it's not right now is not a bad time for a new album from the body. It's funny because I remember the first time I had seen them, I think I had listened to like one or two of one or two songs from their first LP beforehand, but I didn't really have a great sense of what they were about, but I saw them. It was December 21st. 2012 i remember this because i think that's the day that everybody thought the world was going to end you know in 2012 like with the mayan calendar and all that and i saw them at art closet studios in kansas city like that it was like a art space a diy space in the back of like a pizza place in westport and it was just it that 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 performance is still one of my like top five maybe live performances I've seen just because of like everybody like you know of course nobody thinks yeah the world is about to end but like that whole that kind of like air of like that tense energy that that maybe some people had and like people were hyping up was kind of funny and then also like they you know the first few notes of the set like well like they're they kind of warm up and get into it and then like the first real like blast of noise, everybody in the room is just like rocked like backwards just because they have these giant amps and like cabinets and everything. And, you know, the singer doesn't use a microphone uh, at that live shows. He's just like screaming at the top of his lungs. And at one point the, the power did go out in the middle of the set. And so I think that was like kind of the perfect, like funny, end of the world moment and that's something i still really cherish is getting to see that so did you get in the pit was there a pit or was like at that point the whole block a pit a pit <laughs> no i i think the music i think most of their songs usually move a little bit too slowly uh to for there to be a pit you know it's kind of a a 
I'll, I'll be a, a very noisy and intense one. I think it is, it's generally closest to like a doom metal sound, you know, at least as far as the tempo goes. So there wasn't a lot of like straight up moshing, but you know, everybody in the room was certainly like kind of headbanging or just like involuntarily being kind of moved back and forth for the most of the set. Huh. Uh, for the members of my generation who are listening, I'll suggest that uh, the first time some of us, including myself, heard noise for the sake of noise was Public Image Limited, mm. uh, John Lydon's group after the Sex Pistols. And anyone who dared to get into that at that time would definitely be into I've Seen All I Need to See, which is, by the way, a very good album title. Uh, if any I, it reminds me of the the viral tweet that gets reposted like once a week on my timeline it's just like taking off my glasses I've, I've seen enough <laughs> that's uh that's kind of the the energy I think they were capturing here um do you have any closing notes on this one Bill uh no just just an advisory that your speakers aren't blown when you put this album on. It just seems that way. Yeah. No, oh, and um, yeah, I think that's most of what I had to say about it. Like the, uh, I don't know, they they implement a lot of kind of electronic manipulation on some of these songs, and they also mix up the song structures from what they may have been on past albums, but it really is all of the same sounds you're familiar with when you get a The Body album. Uh, that being said, it's, you know, still, I would, I'd still rather listen to this than probably most other current metal records, but just as a longtime fan, it didn't quite um, check all the boxes uh, for, for what I want from this band. I'm deeply amused that I like it more than you like it. When it's, oh, when it's quote unquote, your album, not mine. Yeah, no, I'm happy that you like it. Um, yeah. it ha all right, how, how many of their, have you listened to any of the, the past albums? Uh, just bits and pieces. I mean, they're the kind of band that it's, it's a huge commitment to listen to more than 10 minutes at a time. You know, so I've always dipped into it, but no, I don't. It's not, it, like I, I, I said, it was self-flagellation earlier. This is not the kind of thing that you can listen to for pleasure. It's definitely a uh, music filled with hate and rage and fear. And that's what they do. You have to be in that place. Yeah, you got to you got to rage a little bit, maybe. Um, it, it, no, that being said, it was it was I enjoyed listening to it. On, on a dark like midnight drive down down K10 and uh, so, so this it, maybe maybe this isn't your your morning mix uh, album so maybe maybe make sure to throw this one on at night um, but yeah I have a morning mix album oh do you tell tell me about it Bill R plus R 
equals now going from maybe the album name of the year to the worst band name <laughs> of our time is a all-star sextet led by Robert Glasper. Uh, new album on Blue Note Records recorded at the Blue Note Club in New York in 2018. It's called Live. An all-star group with uh, Robert Glasper, who has been on Blue Note for maybe 10 years. He's 42 years old, and uh, he's best known maybe for playing, uh, well, his his Black Radio uh, stuff has received a lot of attention, including uh, Grammy Awards. So he does the alternative side of R&B, pushes that really hard, in addition to playing straight-ahead jazz. Terrace Martin is in the group, who uh, is a key player in uh, Kendrick's uh, To Pimp a Butterfly. Glasper's on that album also. Uh, trumpeter Christian Scott, Atunde Adjua, uh, who's one of my favorite trumpeters of the last 10 years. Uh, Derek Hodge on bass, Taylor McFerrin, DJ, and Justin Tyson drums are in this group that is uh, with a name that means reflect and respond equals now. So it, it's a group that's trying to be relevant in the jazz realm. And it's safe to say that in the jazz world, the majority of the community looks backwards. But not only are these six guys glad to be living in 2021, they look to the future with remarkable clarity. And uh, so this is what, in my mind, is happening in jazz now, for better or worse, uh, what is uh, documented on this album. So, Aaron, thumbs up or thumbs down? Um, I, I feel, I think I'm coming in 50-50 mixed in, in this uh, situation. Um, I, it's fun, okay, and it's, I don't know if you're you get this way when you're taking in new music or or just music in general but I I like like I I am someone who like you know the the weather or the uh the time of day like does kind of affect what I want to listen to and like like the body album before this um I I put this on in like for the first time in like the like mid afternoon and right out the gate I was kind of bored by the first couple songs they're they're just real spacey and kind of not super focused they're trying to capture all this kind of like crazy spacey energy and I'm just like I don't know I, I think I was far too sober and awake to be that thrilled by it but I, I pause it about halfway through I have something to do and I, I put it back on you know around the time the sun is going down and whether the album did just happen to pick up in the in the latter half or if if I was just more in the mood for it I, I did enjoy it more as it continued yeah that's fair I uh I think maybe the third or fourth track is the uh, the Kendrick song that uh, Terrace Martin 
uh, kind of created the uh, track for. And yeah, I think that's the right intro point for not only Aaron Rhodes, but for uh, most new listeners, since it's yeah. a familiar track. And yeah, I mean, Glasper, Glasper's whole thing is like working from Jay Dilla uh, as a jazz artist, mm-hmm. you know, out of Detroit. And although Glasper's from Houston, you know, he, he doesn't see any of these things as disparate and none of the guys in the group do. So yeah, it, it's, it's a groove album, you know, and it's not all good in my mind. You know, the Glasper's patter, I think isn't very funny and it's annoying and a rapper comes on toward the end of the album for a track and he doesn't do anything for me. Uh, do, you, do you mean the, uh, like the kind of the stage banter? Yeah, the the stage banner. Oh yeah, on on perspective postpartums, he's kind of joking with the crowd. That I don't I don't know if maybe I'm just that deprived of live music, but that was that was one of my favorite parts of the album is him just like goofing around with the audience and making jokes and stuff. Like I don't know that. Uh, yeah, I was I was that made me happy to hear. Wow, it, it annoyed me to no <laughs> end. I guess when I want music i like like adrian long adrian young uh put on an album on friday and it's uh uh half spoken word and half music and i it's like 26 tracks right and i can't listen to it i could reprogram it you know on a streaming service so i have just the music and i don't want to be dismissive of the spoken word it's important what he's trying to say but it was you know, it's like a, a lecture, you know, like in a, in a classroom. And man, that's when you're in the mood for music. I don't, when I'm in the mood for music, I don't want to hear anyone talking. I just want, I just want the music. Does that mean that like you never enjoy banter on live albums? I think that's safe to say. Uh, that's wow. probably true. I don't mind. I don't mind it when I'm there again, it's been more, what it's been a year now. Yeah, more than a year actually, but yeah, man, I don't, I don't want to hear it unless, unless it's someone who's really, really good at it, like Lou Reed, for instance. Mm-hmm. He has a a live album that is pretty much him telling one liners, and I like that a great deal. But other, no, otherwise, no, I don't, Aaron. Thank oh, you man. for asking. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I'm, I'm not sure if you know this about me, but some of my for like earliest favorite bands were like kind of the nineties melodic punk pop punk bands like no effects and rancid and stuff like that. And, um, one of, one of my favorite live albums, uh, during that era of my life was the second no effects live album. And to this day I can, like, I listened to that album so much and enjoyed it that I can like quote you, like I can like, do the like you know sing along with the banter from that album and you know they're like like joking and bsing like between every single song so i i just have these very like meaningless bits of like just talk just ingrained in my memory and i that's one of my favorite parts of it so i guess i guess we that's that's one place where we differ it's so funny you know growing up decades before you uh, I heard working in uh, 
jobs, classic rock radio all day, every day mm -hmm. against my will. And classic rock radio in the 70s would play live albums a lot by Ario Speedwagon, right? Ted Nugent, Peter Frampton, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I, like you, know, un, you know, unwillingly, I, I'm embarrassed to say it. I, I wish I could get out of my head, but I know all the stage banner on those albums just from classic rock radio man that's that's the worst how humiliating to confess that here today despicable um <laughs> do, should, okay i fun fun are, maybe are we talking about jazz <laughs> i i try not to um <laughs> i leave that to you bill most often uh, should, should they should they bring back album oriented rock radio i think i i would love that as a music fan but I don't know. Maybe that maybe that's too off topic here. I, I would love to hear those, albums. I don't know what radio. those words mean. Actually, I, I don't even know. I that's honestly fine. don't know what we'll, you're talking we'll, about. We'll move past that. That's I, I. I was reading about shooting star in the pitch, and I'm like, oh yeah, that was an era. I guess. I guess I missed that. I have I have some history there. So let's move on. <laughs> Uh, so, so Robert Glasper, yeah, this, so I really like this album, but at the same time, it's, it's flawed and I'm mildly disappointed in it just because I love these guys so much and I love what they do so much. And I wanted more out of this than we have. So I highly recommend the individual projects by each of these musicians. I don't think this is a good place to start at all. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. my... That's that's my wrap up on R plus R equals now. Yeah, no, I, I get the impression that uh, despite my lack of jazz knowledge, uh, it, I am confident, I think, in saying that they're not reinventing any wheels here. And it rather is kind of a mood vibe album and may be good for that purpose. But I would say, Aaron, in response to that, that they are driving on the wheel that they themselves invented 10 okay. years earlier. Okay, no, yeah, that's that sounds apt. Um, oh, I, I just wanted to also get your opinion real quick. Um, the 25 minute closing song, um, how did you, how did that make you feel? And also I think besides the banter, and just the generally nice evening nocturnal jazz rap grooves. Um, I think the drum solo was one of my favorite parts. <laughs> yeah, that, that guy, that guy's a monster, uh, Justin Tyson. Yeah, the the closing track, given the context of the recent death of Chick Corea, uh, the keyboardist, jazz keyboardist, uh, who kind of quote unquote sold out in the 70s and made all these jazz fusion records with uh Return to Forever and so on. Uh, I, even though this was recorded two years before Chikoria's death, listening to the, that track in the, you know, in the aftermath of Chikoria's death, um, I just took, take that as a tribute to the 70s jazz fusion that Korea played a part in. So it's an unintentional tribute. No, it's nice. Great. Um, I think we can move on now to Avril Lavigne's Let Go uh, from 2002. This was my 
uh, throwback album pick. Bill will be giving one on the next episode. Um, but I think I'll drop some music from that album right here. Yeah, uh, Bill, what what did you think of this album in in two thousand two? This, well, I won't say the album, even though I have a copy of it in my museum of dead people, which is also known as my basement. Uh, the, the song "Skater Boy," I heard a zillion times in two thousand and two because I had a little girl in in the house. And this was one of the first pop songs that she uh, attached herself to, you know, because she was just at the right age. And I liked it too. I liked it then. I like it now. And I will say that Skater Boy is arguably the single best pop punk song of all time. Wow. That's, I think that's a, it's, it definitely deserves a place in that conversation, I think. Um, I guess my memories with this album, you know, of course, are also um, positioned around its singles, Skater Boy and Complicated. Um, I, I don't know if, if uh, I'm, these memories are probably just kind of uh, an amalgamation of small moments here and there but i i feel like listening to these songs i am back uh riding in the back of a minivan listening to radio disney running errands with my mom um and i can't say that's an awful place to want to think back to right now as i've been stuck in my house for a year um but yeah i i think i I, okay, well, I picked this album because um, I don't know if our listeners are familiar, but there is a British singer-songwriter who goes by the name Biba Doobie who released her debut album, Fake It Flowers, last year. And that was one of my favorite kind of popular albums of the year. And it took, it took on a lot of the same qualities and tones that are present on early Avril Lavigne material and just like the kind of loud guitar sounds and kind of pop hooks um, are pretty similar. So I think um, maybe if any indie, like younger indie, like bedroom pop snobs are, are listening and being like, no, Biba Doobie is way different than Avril Lavigne. I, I would ask you to reconsider that, that, that said, I do love both of those these albums uh, just because I think, I don't know, they, they set out to, they, they accomplished what they set out to and in, in creating kind of uh, post, like, you know, you know, they're, they're pop albums, you know, with guitars. That being said, they, the, the attitude of like kind of, kind of the outcast kind of mall teen attitude that they uh, 
are going for is like really well done and super enjoyable. This album is huge and it deserved to be, yeah. you know, it not only was it fresh, but the songs, as you said, are catchy and the, the singles are just unstoppable, but listening to it now, it's like, you know, the, I think the album opens with like a DJ scratching, you know, which of course is totally whack. She raps at one point. Yeah, it's, no, the, that's it, it is, maybe the low point of the album yeah. or the Sugar Ray style raps. <laughs> oh my God, that's, that's perfect. It is exactly like Sugar Ray. That's so funny. Yeah, uh, so I really like her and I like her songs and her personality and her perspective come through as a, like you said, as a, like a mall teen yeah. in, uh, the, uh, you know, in 2002, it captures yeah. that completely. But the production is so dated at this point and it's it, it just to me it's almost unlistenable and it's funny because you're talking about uh beat a booby how do you say it beat a doobie uh but i think that's exactly right but just as i don't i'm not able to listen to the production on let go i'm not able to the, the production ruins albums through today, and maybe mm. there's a, there's a there's a there's a link. For instance, Julian Baker's new album, Little Oblivions, would be really good, but because she's fantastic, her songs are amazing, her voice is amazing, but the production ruins it, mm. and I just can't listen to Julian Baker's new album because of that. And it's 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 the same thing here with Avril Lavigne. It's like the crass commercialism just kind of spoils it, uh, you know. Unless of course you're a teen who is in the target audience at that moment. Mm. So it's it, it's impossible for me to listen to this as a grown man right yeah. now and with anything but a smirk on my face. I think that's fair. Um, but I don't know. I think there, there are a lot of, you know, niches historically and currently where a certain production style will keep me from fully enjoying an album. But that being said, the, the kind of early aughts pop punk radio rock thing is not an issue for me because it it does it is specifically kind of nostalgic for me and i my some of my first favorite bands were like some 41 and blink 182 and i've i've even come to and i as we've discussed briefly i think enjoyed a share of nickelback singles and i'm sure at some point i'll i'll get into those album cuts but um so so yeah. that that wasn't really an obstacle for me on this album and yeah. I, I, I don't have a problem with anything you said. It's, it's, it's just that, you know, I was like, well, I through this album goes on for too long. It's like 50 minutes, I think. And I'm like, mm -hmm. at, at the low points, I was like, I'm like, man, I'd rather be listening to smash mouth. <laughs> you know, even though she's got these one liners all the way through that I can't believe, you know, I remembered, I'm like, Oh yeah. You know, when she says, uh, you know, can I make it any more obvious or chill out what you yelling for <laughs> or, or and in my world, she sings in this head, my thoughts are deep. 
That's classic. I want a Bill Brownlee spoken word version of this album now. Hey, I uh, I have, as you know, uh, a lyric sheet for, uh, from the, a CD right in front of me. I could, yep. uh, I, I might do that for Maybe you. Maybe that'll be some bonus content. Maybe we'll do a Patreon thing and <laughs> you can get Bill reading the entire album <laughs> to you. Um, oh, okay. One, one thing. I, okay. I, I just want to assert my appreciation for all of the kind of more like ballady type songs on this album because i i think every like the really the only one or two songs that i didn't love on this album were like the one where she tries rapping and like maybe one or two of the more upbeat songs that didn't just stick but all of the kind of like i don't know it she she does a great job and you know she's 18 when this album came out which i think is also impressive um but she just does a great job of capturing the kind of teen in bedroom sulking energy and uh, yeah what were you saying i agree and you know completely with that mm. and i'll say that i prefer this album to the alanis morissette album that this is based on Okay. I, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't have much uh, more set knowledge. So, well, just imagine. I'll refer to you on that. Just imagine a less interesting, similarly commercial version of Let Go, and you've got that smash Alanis Morissette album. Okay. So, I mean, Avril and her producers said, okay, let's do that, but let's do it from a, this 18 year old girl perspective. Yeah. And, it, and this is better. Or, and um, another another note of something I wanted to point out that I appreciate about this album was the so specifically the song "Things I'll Never Say." I don't know if this caught you upon listening. May like I don't. It seems like something that could, maybe could have like been missed on on initial listens for people, but like the the you, like the innuendo on a few lyrics on that song really caught me off guard and i think it like i don't know you know of course if that if those were her idea or somebody else's but like the kind of like wink and nod of those lyrics like the uh get get down on one knee go down on one knee and blow you away where she like pauses in between those is just like i don't know i it it, was, it felt very clever to me it's clever in the sense that commercial country coming out of nashville is clever and that's not a diss i mean a, a smart country act might record this song and have a hit with it today yeah um i, I don't doubt that at all um yeah. Do you have any closing notes on Avril Lavigne's Let Go? I'm glad you made me listen to this again. I, uh, unlike the body and unlike Glasper, this is just pure giddy fun. And there's something to be said for that. Pop music at its best is as valid and perhaps more enjoyable than any other form of music. 
I'm I'm with you a hundred percent on that. Um, like I think we've kind of set up all of the potential disqualifiers for this album and just the kind of commercial qualities and the kind of production style that it takes on the kind of overblown pop radio production. But that being said, I think, yeah, this is, this album is a lot of fun to listen to fun to look back on being uh, nearly 20 years old now. And um, I'd, I'd say it's something to, to reconsider if, if you kind of brushed it off in the past and that's, I think why I picked it. Good job, Aaron. Thank you. No, good, good. You good job, Bill. Oh my God. Um, yeah, Bill, do you have any plugs to get off here as we wrap up? In the next episode, I'm going to uh, have Aaron listen to a throwback album yes. and it's going to be fun. I can't wait. I'm excited to hear what you pick. Yeah. We'll have another episode of in my headache coming out in roughly two weeks um make sure you follow at shuttlecock mag on facebook twitter and instagram shuttlecockmusic.com is the website shuttlecockmag.bigcartel.com is the web store make sure you subscribe wherever you are listening to this and uh, tell your friends maybe how much you love us uh Bill, where can people find you online? My two blogs are plasticsax.com for the Kansas City Jazz, and there stands the glass.com for my musical diary. Amazing. Well, I guess until next time, um, we'll, we'll, we'll see you guys. Bye.